This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Welcome back to the Relic Radio Show. We're going to begin this week's hour of radio drama with suspense. We'll hear their story from January 5th, 1943, titled Nothing Up My Sleeve. After that, it's Luke Slaughter of Tombstone and Page's Progress. His story from March 16th, 1958. Just about the gayest couple in detective fiction are Nora and Nick Charles. Nick Charles is really the detective, but Nora makes a beautiful and able assistant. You'll hear all about the Charles family when you listen to The Adventures of the Thin Man every Friday beginning January 8th over this station at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime and for the Pacific Time Zone at 9.30 p.m. Pacific Wartime. Tonight, Columbia brings you as guest stars two deaf players from the movie lots of Hollywood, the stages of Broadway, Miss Alessa Landy and Mr. George Coloris. They are here to spend with us a half hour of suspense. Suspense is compounded of mystery and suspicion and dangerous adventure. In this series are stories calculated to intrigue you, to stir your nerves, to offer you a precarious situation and then withhold the solution until the last possible moment. Tonight, for instance, Miss Landy plays for us an agreeable young lady who is on the trail of some hot money. And Mr. Coloris plays for us a disagreeable young man who may or may not know more about the money than he says. We trust that with this tale we shall keep you in... Suspense. For Suspense tonight, CBS presents Alyssa Landy and George Coloris in Nothing Up My Sleeve by John Dixon Carr. It's New Year's Eve, remember? Times Square is celebrating. The fiery lights flash no longer, but the crowds are still the same. Thronging, jostling, singing, drowning out a voice at the street corner when it says... Fatal gunfire, let Jamaica! Read all about it! Fatal gunfire, let Jamaica! Read all about it! But... Would that cry perhaps reach as far as a large and sedate country house some 20 miles from New York? Out there, the earth is sealed up with snow. The white pillars of the house rise up high and ghostly against it, showing no outward likeness. A lonely house, this mansion in Fir Woods. Just the place for a murder, I've always said. Wouldn't surprise me either. These Ralphs are a funny lot. And alone in that house tonight, apparently alone, is a man practicing shots in a billiard room, a long and paneled room at the back of the house. 
Now, look at Mr. Derek Rolfe. As tall and lean and well-tailored as ever. Many people don't like him. He's a little too supercilious, a little too sort of himself, too suggestive of the lifted lip and the glazed eye. There he stands in the billiard room, under the snow-covered skylight, leaning over the green cloth under brilliant lights when... Just a moment, please. Ah, Good shot. Yes, come in. Excuse me, Mr. Ralph. Oh, not at all. Hey, but aren't you Miss... Uh, I'm Dorothy Dale, your aunt's social secretary. Surely you remember that. Oh, of course, of course. Forgive me for forgetting your name. You surprised me, Dorothy. Yes, I thought I surprised you a little. No, I mean you surprised me by being in the house at all. Why? Why? Well, this is New Year's Eve. Shouldn't you be out getting drunk and blowing cardboard horns and doing the other fantastic things that people do? I haven't much heart for that tonight. Please. Don't become emotional, Dorothy. I detest emotion. If you're shivering, go over by the radiator. Mr. Rob, may I ask you a question? Of course. Did you ever feel sick at heart? Physically sick, I mean, so that your insides turned over and you couldn't get your breath and... Did you? No. No, I can't say I did. May I move you aside for just a moment? Thank you. Not bad. Can't you guess why I came here to see you tonight? No. Because I'm in terrible trouble, Mr. Ross. Desperate trouble. And I think you can help me. I can help you? How? For one thing, you're making quite a name for yourself as a lawyer. Yes, that's what others have told me. For another thing. Do you know a man named Shark Morgan? Shark Morgan? Shark, did you say? Mm-hmm. Shark Morgan. No, I'm... Sure, I've never heard that name before. You ought to know him. He's a little dark-faced man with most of his upper lip cut away in a knife fight so that you can see all his teeth. That's why they call him Shark. Oh, he sounds like an unpleasant-looking person. He is, or was, a ghastly-looking person. You don't know him? He's not a client of yours? No. I don't believe you. Just a moment, Miss Dorothy Dale. I must put down this cue and say a few words myself. Please do. I don't want to be offensive to you, but it seems to me that for a paid employee of my aunt, practically a servant, you're taking a great deal on yourself. If you're trying to hurt me that way, you're succeeding. But go ahead. You come to me at 11 o'clock at night. You come rushing into this billiard room. Observe, I call it a billiard room, though this is actually a pool table. (laughs) Just as everything in life gets its wrong name. I entirely agree. Yes, but you agree about what? That everything gets its wrong name. Honest men are called thieves, and thieves are called honest men. Would you mind explaining that remark to me? I can explain it very easily. I'm engaged to be married to Jerry Winton. Well? Don't say you don't know who Jerry Winton is. He was in college with you. I played on our extremely second-rate baseball team with him, yes. You never liked him, did you? Liked him? I'm afraid I never noticed him. Jerry Winton works at City and Provincial Bank on 51st Street. He's a teller there. Does that mean anything to you? No. You see, it's not my bank. I was at the City and Provincial Bank yesterday afternoon. Yesterday afternoon, Mr. Rolfe, just before closing time. It was a dark day and the lights were on. There weren't many people in that big marble hall. I went up to Jerry's window, if that's what you call it. Can you cash a check for a million dollars? 
Hello, darling. <laughs> Hello, Jerry. You glad to see me? I am not pleased to see you here, darling. Huh? I'm never pleased to see you here. And why not? Because I can't make love to you. <laughs> Can you imagine anybody making love in a bank? Oh, we might sneak into the president's office. As a matter of fact, I've dreamed of holding a party in there. But it'll never happen, unless I'm fired, which is very likely. Jerry, sometimes I wish you weren't so easygoing. I'm not easygoing with the bank's money, Dolly. Otherwise, I'd be shoving it out to you through the window in double handfuls like this. Jerry, for heaven's sake, no. <laughs> they didn't state your business, madam. The convict in the next cage is watching us already. I want to cash a check. Here it is. Twenty dollars. That is, if my account can stand it. <laughs> yes, I think we can manage that. How will you have it? Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. Jerry. What's wrong? Look over there. Where? Over there by that marble table with the pens and ink on it. The little man with no upper lip to his mouth and all his teeth showing. Ugly looking devil, I admit. He's carrying something like a violin case. Hold on. I've seen that fellow someplace before. Of course you have. Don't you remember where? It was... It was out at Mr. Rolfe's house in the country when you came to visit me last Sunday. The man with the teeth and five other men were coming out on the porch as we were going in. Wait a minute, Dolly. That's not all. What is it? There's some very funny-looking customers in this bank right now. Where? At Mr. Wallace's window. At Mr. Robinson's window. And up by the guard at the front door. They, they don't seem to make any sound. As though they all wore rubber-soled shoes. Jerry, something's going to happen. I know it is. Unless I can get off this stool and... Warn... That was just to call your attention, folks. Just to call your attention. Now, just stand where you are, all of you. Nobody I can hide. Darling, I, I'm scared. Well, what should oh, I do? You stay oh, around, dear, just stand still. Stay I right don't there. dare turn around. Is that the man with the teeth? Yes, he's got, he's got the machine. We don't want any funny business about alarm bells, see? One of the boys has already gone behind to take up the collection. Just stay where you are, that's all you gotta do. You can't get away with this. Oh, look, boys, here's a guy at the front with a nice mahogany desk and a plate with his name on it who says we can't get away with it. That's your. Don't do it, That wasn't in our order, so we can't get away with it. He's crazy. Now you hear somebody else talking? Jerry! Thought I heard somebody over it. Oh, it's you, kid. Move to one side of the window, darling. Move to one side of the window. Don't worry, kid. I ain't gonna hate you. Oh? Not a bit of it. Thanks for helping us. You'll get your cut later. What do you mean, my cut? That's what I said. You'll get your share when we divvy up. Well, I don't know anything about this robbery. All right, kid. We'll take care of you. I tell you, I don't know anything about this robbery. Jerry! in the end pocket. Ah, got it. Are you listening, Mr. Rolfe? Well, this shark Morgan must be quite a fool. I grant you that. He was a fool. He must have been crazy. But they've held Jerry at police headquarters just the same. Well, that's very unfortunate if he's innocent. You know he's innocent. I'm afraid I don't know anything about it. Don't you even know what happened today? Haven't you read the newspaper? No. The police trapped that whole gang in a Long Island farmhouse. There was a gunfight. Oh, is that so? Oh, no casualties, I hope. You hope? I must tell you again, Dorothy, don't, don't be emotional. I detest emotion. The whole gang were killed, every last one of them, including Sharp Morgan. So there's nobody to talk, nobody to tell, but... But, oh. uh, as you were saying? 
They didn't find the money. What money? The stolen money. $88,000 taken from that bank, and yet the police can't find a cent of it. Shall I tell you why, Mr. Rolfe? Because it was passed on to somebody else for safekeeping. Oh, passed on to somebody else. That's eh? what I said. <laughs> well, perhaps your friend Jerry Winton could tell us where it is. That's what the police think. Oh, can you imagine what he's going through tonight? Well, it's not a pleasant way to spend New Year's Eve, I admit. <laughs> Excuse me. But, you know, after all, the late Shark Morgan did accuse Winton. Now, if he isn't guilty, why should Morgan accuse him? Meanness. <laughs> I, I don't think I understand. Meanness. The sort of meanness that some people call a sense of humor. Morgan saw Jerry in this house. Oh, be careful, young lady. That's an actionable statement. I've already made it to the police, thanks. Oh, and did they believe you? No. They're a very intelligent crowd down at Center Street. And after all, your story isn't very credible. Why huh? not? Well, Shark Morgan sees your friend Winton. Sees him for perhaps ten seconds coming out of this house. And then accuses him of compl complicity in a bank robbery. Now, is that very likely? Yes. Very likely. If somebody put him up to it. <laughs> Again, I don't understand. Somebody deliberately told Morgan to accuse Jerry and get him into as much trouble as possible. Tell me, Mr. Rolfe, why do you dislike Jerry so much? You know, now that you mention that fellow, I can recall who he is. Thanks for condescending to. Yes, yes, indeed. Why, he was the man in our class voted most likely to succeed. Now, let's see. Where did you say he's tonight? He's just where you put him. You know, you're trying my patience to the very limit, young woman. And out in a Long Island farmhouse, there are five bodies full of bullet holes. Five men who'll never speak again. And somewhere else, maybe not very far from here, is the man who engineered the whole robbery. Planned it and staged it and got his accomplices killed. My goodness, he must have supernatural powers. No he? witnesses, nobody to testify. Oh, if I could only find the money. $88,000, I think you said. If I could only find the money and prove who had done it and prove Jerry innocent and just for one second get past that devilish smug mask of yours that's driving me. Anything wrong, Dorothy? No. No, nothing at all. You've been following me round and round this table. Have you been looking? Something? Only admiring your billiard room, that's all. Oh, you haven't been looking at, at the suitcase, for instance? Oh, what, a suitcase? Look, over on the bench, under the curac. The suitcase that contains legal papers. I hadn't even noticed it. Uh, Mr. Ralph? Yes, Dorothy? I'm afraid I've taken up a lot of your time and not done my myself any good and made something of a spectacle of myself. <laughs> Frankly, young woman, you have. Well, if you won't help me, you won't. That's that. If you don't mind, I'd like to go now. I suppose, my dear, I didn't choose to let you go. But why? Why, why shouldn't you? What harm can I do? I... Now, who was it? Who was it? Was, it? was it Meredith who remarked that the last thing to be civilized by man will be woman? I think it was, yes. And, you know, and a slanderous woman can do a great deal of harm. But I, I haven't done you any harm so far. We're all I... alone in this house. There's not even a servant here. Now, if I chose to get between you and the door like this... Keep away from me. Oh, I'm not coming near you, Dorothy. No. I'm merely standing between you and the door. Now, I suppose you realize that I could turn very nasty if I like. What are you going to do? Do? Well, I'm going to open the door for you like this. I'm going to say, God bless you, my child, as befits a New Year's greeting... I'm going to show you out and wish you good night. You... You... You, you, you don't mind? Mind? But certainly not. 
You've got something to hide, haven't you, Mr. Rolfe? No, no. Nothing, young woman, that I can't hide. Good night. Operator. What number are you calling, please? Operator, I, I want to get to police headquarters in New York City. No, 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 that, that doesn't take too long. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, get me the local police station. This is Mallingford 8891. Eight, the local police station? Yes, yes, that's right. The number you want is Mallingford 326. I will ring them. Thank you. Why is he so confident? What has he got up his sleeve? Mallingford Police Station. Oh, uh, let me speak to the chief of police, please. You're speaking to him, ma'am. Nobody else to stay up here on New Year's Eve. Well, my, my name is Dale, Miss Dorothy Dale. I, I, I'm speaking from Greenacres, Mr. Derek Rolfe's house, about two miles up the post road. Um, do you know it? Yes, I know it, but can't you talk louder? I can hardly hear you. I, I don't dare talk louder. I, I'm speaking from a phone just outside the billiard room door. Well, what about it? Listen. You want to recover the city and provincial bank money, don't you? Sure do, miss. That money's hot, but... But it's here. It's in this house, in this billiard room now. Oh, who's got it? Derek Rolfe himself. Look, miss. Is this on the level? I swear it's true. I've seen the money. The Rolfe's are prominent people, you know. I can't help that. There's a big suitcase completely full of money in packages fastened with the paper label of the city and provincial lamp bank, and that's not his own bank. Take it easy now. The lid of the suitcase wasn't quite closed. He thought he'd be alone here tonight, and that's why he was careless. Does he know you saw the money? Did I see the money? I, 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 I'm not quite sure. You're not sure? No, I could almost have sworn he knew I saw the money, but, but he, he didn't seem to care. He... Be careful. The billiard room door's opening. I thought I heard someone using the telephone out here. Excuse me, Mr. Roth. I, I, I only... What's uh... this about the door open? Oh, these doors are rather thick, Dorothy, but I was under the impression that I heard somebody say police. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, yes, you did. I... <laughs> you, you weren't phoning the police by any chance, were you? Yes, I, I was. Why? I, uh... Go well... on, go on, go on. Why? Well, I, as a matter of fact, I was trying to get in touch with Jerry. That's it. He, he's at police headquarters in New York, and I, I was trying to get in touch with him to see if they'd let me talk to him on New Year's Eve. You know, I, hmm. I, I thought it would cheer him up. Look, miss, this is the Mallingford chief of police. Are you still there? What's that one? Mallingford? Well, it's a New York call relayed through the local station. You, you, you don't mind? Not at all. Please go right ahead. Oh, by the way. What? I don't think you'll find that money, young woman. Good night. Listen, miss, are you still on the end of the wire, aren't you? Yes, but I couldn't talk to you. He was here. Who was there? Derek Rolfe. He said I'd never find the money. You mean he admits he's got it? Well, no. He just smiles and smiles. He's got some trick up his sleeve. I know it. Oh, it'll have to be a good one. Please, never mind that. Can you come over now? Oh, oh all right, miss. I'll, I'll take a chance. Who else is in the house with you? Nobody. I'm all alone with him. What are you going to do if he tries to light out with the money? I don't see what I can do. That's all the more reason for you to get here quickly. 
I swear you'll find the money in that billiard room. Only hurry. Five minutes. Ten minutes. Fifteen minutes. It can seem a very long time to a waiting girl crouching in a cold and dim-lit hallway outside a closed door, hearing only the clicking of billiard balls and watching, wondering, and praying until... Miss Dale. Miss Dale. This way. Shh. Miss Dale, I'm Joe Hollister, chief of police. Yes, I recognized your voice. The front door wasn't locked, so I just walked in. I hoped you would. I didn't want to leave here. Has Mr. Ralph come out of that room since you talked to me? No. And according to what you claim, he's still in there with a suitcase full of money. That's right, Mr. Hollister. Now, look, Miss B, before we go any further, there's something I ought to tell you. Well? Well, I... I checked with New York about you. Uh, and and what did they say? Yes, Miss Hollister. And what did they say about her? Mr. Ross. I'm rather interested in knowing that myself. So you could hear everything through that door? Of course I could hear everything through the door, including your conversation with our friend, the chief of police. Good evening, Mr. Hollister. Good evening, Mr. Ralph. This young lady says that, I know, uh, I know what she says. Will you come into the billiard room, please? Both of you? Oh. Thank you. Just what trick are you up to now? Trick? You talk of tricks. Now, just a minute now. Take it easy. What I want to know is where's this suitcase Miss Dale was talking about? There it is. What, you mean that empty suitcase on the bench beside you? Empty suitcase? Yes, that's what I said. It wasn't empty when I left this room. Chief, do you mind seeing for yourself? Well, it isn't empty. It's empty now, Miss... Hollister, it would gratify me to clear this matter up here and now. It would gratify me, too. I'm tired of this slanderous nonsense, and I mean to end it. This young woman told you that I had, what was it, some $88,000 in this room only a few minutes ago. I still say you had. Curb your temper, please, while I ask you some straight questions. Can you do that? You better answer them, miss. All right, I'll try. Did I or did I not leave the billiard room at any time? No, you didn't. Good. Well, there's only one door and no window. Only a skylight covered with snow. So I didn't leave that way, did I? No, I suppose you didn't. Therefore, unless you're lying, the money must still be in this room. Yes. Then where is it? I don't know. You must have hidden it someplace. Oh. Where? I'm afraid Mr. Rouse right, miss. Take a look around you. One pool table. Comes apart so you can examine it. One radio. Go on, examine that too. One overhead light, one standing lamp, one bare bench, one rack of cues, one rack of pool balls. Now, that's everything. Now, can you tell me where I could hide enough money to fill a suitcase? No, I can't. It's impossible, miss. The stuff's not here. It must be here. It's either here or else... Or else what? Or else it vanished. Oh, Mr. Hollister, haven't we had quite enough of this? Yes, I guess we have. Now, look here, Miss Dale. I like the way you talked, and I thought you were talking straight. Will you just tell me why you tried to string me along like that? You know, I think I can tell you, Chief Hollister. I wasn't exactly asking you, Mr. Ralph, but... Well, go ahead. You know, perhaps, that she's engaged to a man who's mixed up in the city and provincial robbery. He was not. It was neither a very clever nor a very far-sighted attempt. I'm inclined to think that she'll not have a job when my aunt returns. But as I say, it was a case of any old attempt to shield Jerry Wilkins. Somebody mentioned my name. Jerry! Oh, Jerry! Steady, I'm alive. I'm not a ghost. You needn't laugh at me like but that. But how did you get here? How did you get away? I was trying to tell you, miss, when our host put it in. The DA is convinced your young man had nothing to do with this. That's right, Dolly. 
And I thought I'd better come out and take you back to New York with me. I was never so glad to see anybody in my life. Put your arms around oh, me. Don't. I don't suppose you'd mind if I picked up this cue and went on practicing? Let's try the eight ball all the way down the table. Come on, Dolly. It'll be New Year's in a few minutes. There's nothing to worry about. There is something to worry about. He's got the money, the whole 88000 I know it. I'm sure of it. Only we can't find it. It's hidden somewhere in this room. As I said before, haven't we had just about enough of this? The chief of police there won't believe me, but it's true. I've heard a lot about that money myself. <laughs> I'll bet you have, son. It's been nothing but hot money, hot money, hot money. And where is it, where is it, where is it? Until I thought I was going off my nut. If I could prove Derek Rolfe had anything to do with this, I'd... Dolly, what's the matter? Mr. Hollister. Yes, miss? I think I know now where he's hidden the money. Well, that was a bad shot, Mr. Rolfe. You've made the white ball jump clear off the table. <laughs> well, there are plenty of others on the table. I tell you, I know where he's hidden it. Is it in this room? Yes. But where? In the pool table? In the radio? In some secret panel? No. You'd better speak up, Dolly. Has it ever struck you, any of you, that there is such a thing as an invisible piece of furniture? An invisible piece of furniture? You mean we can't see it? No, it's in plain sight. It's smack in front of your eyes. But nobody ever sees it. You can't see it now. We may not understand you, Dolly, but by George Derrick Rolfe does. Look at his face. Yes. I'm looking at it. What's the matter with all of you? Please don't become emotional, Mr. Roth. I detest emotion. Miss, there's a reward of 10000 for the recovery of that money. If you know where it is, tell us. There's nothing easier. If... Before that young woman says something she may regret, please listen to me. You've got him, Dolly. I don't know how or why, but you've got him. Go on, Mr. Roth. Tell me, Winton. You and I used to play on the same baseball team, didn't we? That's right. What about it? What did I play on that team? You were the pitcher. Why? Was I good? You're the best control and the best fast one I ever... Wait a minute. Why are you picking up that pool ball? What are you going to do? Take it easy, Mr. Ralph. You three are across the room from me. I have a number of rather dangerous objects on the table here. And I'll split that girl's skull if she says another word. Don't be a blasted fool. Think I can't do it? Oh. Well, does that convince you I haven't lost my pitching arm? You didn't even get a chance to raise that gun. Oh. No, you don't. Don't try to pick it up. Just let it lie there on the floor. Get behind me, darling. You stay where you are. Move a step off first base and... Maybe you'd better listen to him, Miss Dale. Well... What are you going to do, Ralph? You can't keep us here forever. I don't propose to keep you there forever. I'm not so enamored of your company. Now, what's the game? Well, I'll make a bargain with you. Well? My car's outside with a little more gas than the state allows. Give me one clear hour to get away. Well, what do you say? I'm a cop, Mr. Ralph. I can't make any bargains with you. No? No, and I'm coming over there after you. And you'll compel me to start throwing... Down, Dolly, down under the table. Oh, you missed that one, Mr. Rolf. Not missed with this one. It's a shame to bust that Q-Rack, Mr. Rolf, but I'm still coming for you. You've lost your control, old son. You're done for. I might try this. That was the wildest pitch yet. Don't look. Don't get up, but look. What is it? The radiator. The steam radiator. It's knocked the whole thing sideways. Did you ever see that happen to a radiator before? Of course not, because it's a dummy radiator. Dummy radiator? Yeah, I got you, Rolf. I'm not too old to handle a bird like you. You haven't even got a search warrant. I'll take a chance. What? What was that about? A dummy radiator? Yes. Look. Look here. It's got a little oil burner inside to make it give out heat. Yeah? And the hinges at the back to form a lot of compartments where you can hide as much money as you like. I saw the hinges when he told me to go over to the radiator. But I didn't guess what they meant. 
It's really a safe that never attracts attention because nobody ever notices it. And the stuff's here all right. There, Mr. Hollister. That's what I saw in the suitcase. I told you there was a $10,000 reward for that, miss. Oh, did you hear that? Turn on the radio, Jerry. Go on, turn it on. Welcome in the new year. Didn't you tell me, all of you, that, that the money was hot? Starring Alyssa Lundy and George Colouris. The night story of Suspense. Columbia presents these tales of mystery, intrigue, and dangerous adventure for your relaxation and enjoyment. Next Tuesday, there'll be another in this series. Same hour. 9.30 Eastern Wartime. William Spear, the producer, John Deeds, the director, Bernard Herman, the composer, conductor, and John Dixon Carr, the author, are collaborators on Suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Slaughter's my name. Luke Slaughter. Cattle's my business. It's a tough business. It's big business. I've got a big stake in it. And there's no man west of the Rio Grande big enough to take it from me. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone, Civil War cavalryman turned Arizona cattleman. Across the territory from Yuma to Fort Defiance, from Flagstaff to the Huachucas, and below the border through Chihuahua and Sonora, his name was respected or feared, depending on which side of the law you were on. Man of vision, man of legend. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. get used to gunfire in Tombstone. Usually you hear a single shot, or at most two. And one gunslinger goes back to the bar and the other goes to Boot Hill. But when you hear a whole fusillade of shots in the middle of the afternoon, you think of the OK Corral 
and head for cover. Gun battle, Luke. It's just a local cowhand. Yeah, I just hope he keeps shooting in the air, which a time. Well, say, ain't that young Paige Webster? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Hi, Luke. Which star, you old Renahan? What are you up to, Paige? I want you gents to be the first to shake my hand. What for, Paige? Trying out shoot Billy the Kid? Oh, no, I'm just shooting up the barrel because I'm happy. Luke... I'm going to get me married. Married? No. Yes, sir. I just popped the question to Selena Cordell, and she said yes. Ah, uh, that's great, Paige. That's just great. Yeah. Man's got to make that mistake sometime, I guess. <laughs> yes, sir. And I want you to be my best man, Luke. Well, now, that's an honor I wouldn't want to miss. When's the wedding? When? Well, my gosh, man, you can't settle everything in the first minute. I just found out she'd have me. Now, we're going to discuss the details this evening. Yeah, all right. Get your spurs back on the ground. Oh, excuse me, gents. Howdy, stranger. I just come in on the afternoon stage. Thought maybe you could tell me a good place to put up for the night. Why, sure, you just... Wait a minute. Say, Paige. Ain't you Paige Webster? Why, sure you are. Hello, Burley. Well, now, that's hardly a friendly greeting to a cousin who ain't seen you in a dog day. Be all right with me if I never see you again. I don't know why you're holding a grudge against me. Uh, well, ain't you going to introduce me to your friends, Paige? Luke Slaughter, Wichita. This here's my cousin from Texas, Burley Webster. Cousin, huh? Welcome to Tombstone, Mr. Webster. Thank you, Mr. Slaughter. <laughs> Paige don't seem to be on the welcoming committee, though. What are you doing here, Burley? Oh, easy now, boy. I'm just going through on my way back to Texas from San Francisco. You in the cattle business, Mr. Webster? Uh, no, no, I'm not. He's a gambler, Lucas, and no good, no account gambler. What's that mouth of yours, cousin? <laughs> way I figure it, Mr. Slaughter, a man makes a living the best way he knows how. I happen to make mine with my hands. I see. Well, you're looking for a place to stay overnight? I'd recommend the San Jose house. It's good enough for me. Well, then I'm sure it'll suit me, if you'll kindly direct me. Help Mr. Webster with his bags, Wichita. Why, sure. You come with me, Mr. Webster. Right down the street here. There goes a snake bigger than a Texas rattler, Luke. It's a strange thing to call a blood relative, Paige. Oh, that don't make no difference. You don't know what he's done to me. What? Well, I I never told you this, Luke. I never told nobody. But my family died back in Texas when I was just a little Schaefer. And his folks took me in. Well, uh, a few years ago, there was a killing. Nobody ever proved who did it, but he threw suspicion on me, and after that, folks just didn't want me around. That's why I came out here. If you didn't do it, why did you run away, Paige? Well, what would you do? He was top dog, slick with cards and smart with the gals. I was just a poor kid cousin. You can't draw to an inside straight like that. You've drawn some some real right cards since you've been in Tombstone, Page. You've got yourself a small outfit, and you got the makings for a good cattleman. Now you're going to be married. You're supposed to be happy. Well, I am happy, Luke. Of course I am. But I sure wish she hadn't shown up right now. We'll be on the El Paso stage tomorrow morning. I'll forget about it. All right, Luke, I will. Doggone it, I'm going down to the Crystal Palace and start celebrating. <laughs> Don't overdo it, Paige. 
Well, you know me, Luke. I, I never drink too much. You better not. You're going to be a married man before you know it. Yeah. Say, imagine that, Luke. <laughs> me, a married man. Uh, howdy, Luke. Hi, Wichita. They rung the supper gong yet? Not yet. Sit down. Enjoy the sunset. Seems like every night they ring it later and later. That he seems like it. Uh, maybe. Lots of things seem like what they ain't, if you ask me. Well, I didn't, but what are you trying to tell me? Well, since you are asking me, I'm a little discombobulated by them two Webster cousins. Why? Well, this afternoon I kind of got the idea they didn't get along none too well. They don't. That's why I'm discombobulated. What do you mean? Well, I, I come from the Crystal Palace just now, and them two was thicker than fleas. Page looked like he'd been using his roping arm to heist a glass too many times. He was drunk, huh? They weren't sober. Well, the two of them was playing poker, Luke. Just the two of them. High stakes, too, seemed like. Maybe I'd better take a walk down that way. Good evening, Mr. Slaughter. Good evening, Miss Cordell. Good evening, Mom. Good evening. You know where I could find Paige, Mr. Slaughter? Well, I haven't seen him since he told us the good news this afternoon, Miss Cordell. I'd like to congratulate you, both of you. Thank you. Well, I, I wonder where he could be. We were going to discuss the wedding plans this evening. Yes, he, um, he told me. Look, Miss Cordell, why don't you let me find him for you? Well, I don't want to bother you. just you. sit down here and enjoy the cool of the evening with Wichita. I'll go look for him. That's very kind of you, Mr. Slaughter. I'll be right back. Now, I'll just tell you what I'm going to do, Cousin Burley. Your little old king don't scare me none at all. I'm going to call you and raise you... Fifty dollars. Paige, what are you doing? Are you crazy? What? Well, now, look here. Ain't my old friend Luke Slaughter. <laughs> You've had enough, Paige, both poker and liquor. How much have you lost? Ain't lost nothing. All my ready cash is there in the pot. Leave it. Let's get out of here. Luke, let me ask you. How much is my little outfit worth? You know better than I do. Well, sure I do, but I just want my cousin from Texas to hear it. Oh, Paige is powerful proud of that little outfit, as he calls it, Slaughter. He should be. In two years, he's built it from nothing to around $1,900 in stock and equipment. Yeah. You hear that, Burley? I may not be the biggest pea in the pod, but I'm in it. <laughs> Pretty small pod, seems to me. All right, now. I call your 50 and raise it 300 What does your little outfit say about that? Page for the... No, 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 just a minute. 300, eh? Well, now, that requires a little study. Drop out, Page. Let him have it. No, 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 not so fast, Luke. You hold on now. He's got two aces, a king and a deuce showing. And I got me two kings, an ace and a eight spot. Now, that makes the whole car tell a difference, don't it? Uh, yes, sir. It sure does. Come on, put up a shut-up, cousin. This ain't no kid game. We left that back in text. Turn your cards over, Paige. Now, you heard what my little outfit's worth, Burley. Paige, listen to me. I'll bet it. I'll bet it all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Two years of your life. You'll bet that and your future. I bet it, and, and you got a witness, Burley. I'll pay to see that hold card. Your call. <laughs> that's dandy. That, that's just dandy. I got me the case king, and that makes three of them. Oh, that's good, Paige, but uh, not good enough. Three aces, Paige. Three aces? But I, I was sure... Come on, Paige. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I better, Luke. Oh, uh, you can give me the bill of sale for your outfit in the morning, Paige. That'll be soon enough. I'll trust you till later. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have it for you at the hotel in the morning. Come on, Luke. Why did you do it, Paige? Why? He knitted me. He, he's always knitted me. He, he did it again. Just like when we was kids back in Texas. Two years of your life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a weak need. Paperback fool. No, you're not. Something's eating at your insides. When you learn what it is, you'll be a man. Luke, what am I going to tell Selena? You're going to face up to what you've done and tell her the truth. Just waiting at the hotel for you. No, no, I, I can't face her like this after I, I lost everything. You tell her, Luke, will you? Please, Luke, tell her anything. Paige, are you going to keep running away all your life? Well, I, I don't know. I guess so. I, I think I'm going to be sick, Luke. Here. Get yourself a room and straighten out. I'll tell her something. We can talk this out tomorrow. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. I don't know why I bother, Paige. I guess I must think you're worth it. In a moment, Luke Slaughter of Tombstone returns. Start your day well-informed. Join us on most of these same stations every morning as radio's World News Roundup calls in our newsmen stationed in news capitals like Washington, London, Rome, Bonn, Paris, or Tokyo for eyewitness reports on the big news stories of the day. Then on weekday evenings, hear Edward R. Murrow with the news. His personal knowledge of people and places, his years of experience in reporting the news... Put the stamp of authority on every broadcast he makes. Hear Edward R. Murrow with the news tomorrow night. And now, Act Two of William N. Robeson's production of Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. Standing up to the bar, minding my own business. Excuse me, what's your tongue? Uh, well, sure, sure. Miss Cordell? Yes, Mr. Slaughter? I found him. Well, where is he? Miss Cordell, uh, when a man's getting married, he's uh, sometimes... Well, well, in Paige's case, he did. He... What I mean to say is he... Well, he, he's had too much to drink. 
He lost quite a bit at gambling. Isn't that just like a man? Well, most men, if you ask me. Nobody did, Wichita. Oh. I'm sure I'll explain it to you in the morning, Miss Cordell. I'm not so sure I wanted to. If he's going to go out and drink and gamble on the very day he's proposed to me, what will he be up to after he's married me? Evening, Slaughter. Excuse me for interrupting, but when there's a pretty gal around, I ain't going to make too many excuses. You'll have to excuse us, Webster. We're busy. Webster? Well, now, miss, I see you know the name. Could that be maybe because you're a friend of my young cousin, Paige Webster? Why, why, yes. Then I'm right happy to make your acquaintance, miss. I'm Burley Webster, Paige's cousin from Texas. How do you do, Mr. Webster? I'm Selina Cordell. Ah, that's a right pretty name to go with an even prettier gal, if you'll excuse me being so bold, Miss Cordell. Maybe I ought to tell you right now, Webster. Miss Cordell is engaged to your cousin. <laughs> I must say he picked himself the prettiest filly in the corral. And I must say that sounds like Texas flattery to me. <laughs> Ain't nothing of the kind. Only I sure am sorry I can't stay on here, now that I've made up with you, Miss Cordell. Why, thank you. <laughs> but of course, I... Could change my mind. You said you were leaving on the morning stage. Man can always change his mind, Slaughter. Now, uh, Miss Cordell, since we've been introduced proper like, you'd do me a great honor if you'd let me take you to the nicest dining room in town for some supper. You just point it out. Well, I... 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 Mr. Slaughter, will you be seeing Paige again tonight? I don't expect to. Well, if you do see him, tell him I'm with his cousin. Getting the attention I should be getting from him. My arm, Miss Cordell. Now, let me tell you about Paige when we was kids back in Texas. Say, he sure is a smooth talker, ain't he, Luke? Only that don't sound like cousin talk to me. He's got Paige's outfit. Now he's after his girl. Ain't much you can do about it, is there, Luke? I don't know, Wichita. I don't know. But I'm sure gonna try. Webster, I want to talk to you. Slaughter. I thought you'd be in bed by now. I've been waiting up for you. Where's Miss Cordell? Don't see that's any of your business. But she's safe home for tonight. Meaning? Ah, tomorrow's another day. You aren't going to be here tomorrow, Webster. What'd you say? You're leaving Tombstone right now. Oh, am I? Yes. You recognize this deck of cards? Oh, what about? This is the deck you used when you beat your cousin out of his outfit. It's a marked deck. Where'd you find that? In your room upstairs. What call you got going through my stuff? I never gone through a man's belongings before without his permission. I made an exception in your case. Well, I've got a good notion to... To what? Webster, I'm going to give you a choice. There's a saddled horse at the hitching bar out back, with your bag strapped on. You get on it, and head east out of Tombstone, and don't look back. Or you get set to draw. <laughs> sure. You'd like that, wouldn't you, Slaughter? You'd be in the fastest gun in the territory. Which'll it be? Well, now, this is a one-horse town anyway sense in getting ruffled up over it. Which will it be? Uh, 
couldn't be that you want Selina for yourself, could it? Get going. Oh, sure, Slaughter, sure. Anything you say. <laughs> Luke Slaughter. Good morning, Luke. How you feeling, boy? Better, I guess. I don't know. What are you figuring to do now? I don't know, Luke. I, I just don't know what to do. Seems to me there's nothing much left for you in Tombstone. You lost your outfit. And from the way she talked last night, you've lost your girl. It don't surprise me none. I'll be glad to stake you to a hundred dollars to get started somewhere else. Well, thanks, Luke. You're a real friend. Yeah. Let's see. It's nine o'clock now. Suppose you come over to my hotel at ten. I'll have the money for you. And I'll pay you back someday, Luke. I don't know when, but I will. Sure you will. I'll see you in an hour. Good morning, Mr. Slaughter. Morning, Miss Cordell. I'm sorry to disturb you. Is all right? He's all right. Why do you care? Oh, I'm worried and worried about him. You weren't talking that way last night. I know, but that was last night, and I've often thought about it. I haven't slept a wink, Mr. Slaughter. I was wrong saying what I did. Paige did me the honor of asking me to be his wife, and I was proud to accept. Mr. Slaughter, that's... Well, that's sacred. A man and a woman have got to forgive each other many things before they're really husband and wife. I mean... Well, I love him, Mr. Slaughter. What about his cousin? Oh, him, he's nothing but a fast-talking ladies' man. Paige is worth five of him. That's just what I wanted to hear. Miss Cordell, I'm going to ask you to do something. What, Mr. Slaughter? I want you to be an actress. Mr. Slaughter! <laughs> it's just for a few minutes. For Pager's sake. All right. I'd do anything for him. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Be down at the San Jose. <laughs> You've thunk up some good ones in your time, Luke. But I declare this hornswoggle beats them all. <laughs> I hope so, Wichita. Uh-oh. Here he comes. Well, here I am. Ten o'clock on the dot. Great, I have some bad news for you, Paige. I can't give you the money. But you said... I know. Maybe I should say I've changed my mind. But you told me... When are you going to stop whimpering like a scrubby calf? But you promised. Why don't you just start walking? Maybe you'll find some sheep herders who'll help you out. But look, all I'm asking is to borrow the money you promised to lend me. I don't think you're good for it, Paige. Well, if that's the way you feel, I'll just get along with it. Hello, Paige. Oh. Hello, Selina. Where have you been since you asked me to marry you? Let's see. When was that? Why, I declare it was only yesterday. I, uh, I had a little trouble, Selina. Oh? What kind of trouble? Well, I lost some money. Gambling, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that, that's right, Selina. 
A man who will go out and gamble on the very day he proposes mustn't want to be married very much. Oh, Selina, that, that's not so. Must be, or you'd pay a little more attention to me like, uh, like your cousin did. Burley, you know him? Mr. Slaughter introduced us. He's a very attractive man. He's a dirty, misbegotten sidewinder. Why, Paige, what a thing to say about your own cousin. Oh, Selina, you don't like him. He took me to supper last night. After all, you weren't around. Selina, it appears like you're an extra spoke in the wheel, Paige. Why don't you slope like you've been planning to? I'll go when I get good and ready. No, you'll go now. You, you get your hands off me, Luke. You want me to throw you out? Oh, you just try it. Be glad to. You may be able to do it, Luke, but you're going to know you've been in a fight. I ain't running anymore, Luke, and you ain't going to beat me. Now you get up, Luke. That felt good, and I'm going to do it again. Come on. Get up. No. No, no I've had enough, Paige. I quit. Oh, that's fine. That's just fine. Now I'm, I'm going to find me that no-good, mealy-mouthed cousin and do the same thing. Paige, wait a minute. He's gone, Paige. He left town last night. Gone? You, you mean he, he isn't taking over my outfit? Say, say, what is this? Well, if you'll stop being a man long enough to let Selena get a word in, I think she can tell you. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. Come on, Paige. We've already lost a whole day of planning. <laughs> By doggies, it works. The hornswoggle works. Yes, Wichita did. It's the first time I've ever let a man whip me. But it was worth it. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone, starring Sam Buffington, was written by Alan Botzer, with editorial supervision by Tom Hanley, and directed by William N. Robeson. Supporting Mr. Buffington were Sidney Scott, Junius Matthews, Chet Stratton, and Joseph Kearns. Music composed by Wilbur Hatch and conducted by Amerigo Marino. Next week at this time, we return with... Slaughter's the name. Luke Slaughter. When we meet up again, you can call me that. Luke Slaughter. Now stay tuned for Frontier Gentlemen, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. This is the CBS Radio Network. There's more from Suspense, Luke Slaughter, The Relic Radio Show, and all of the Relic Radio podcasts at the website, relicradio.com. We also have our Shoutcast stream up and running with even more old-time radio, lots to listen to, all for free thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back tomorrow with Case Closed. And next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.